Well, hello. We are back after a week off.、Uh, we are coming back at you with another episode of Counterculture Catchup. This is going to be a part two from what we started last week. So, welcome.、Uh, this is where we reca- recap our weekly discussion.、Uh, our goal is to motivate the church to influence the culture with the kingdom of God by applying a biblical worldview to every single topic. To my left is our Sabbatarian <laughs> pastor, Jamie. You can look it up. <laughs> yeah, it's a word. <laughs> it's in there. It sounds like a word. <laughs> That's our rule. If it sounds like a word, it <laughs>、yeah. must be a word. It must be. I mean, What is Webster? It has all、anyway? the makings、yeah. of a word, <laughs> of a proper word. Well, as you can tell, there's something about the Sabbath in this word that I may or may not have made up on the spot. Yeah.、Um, Sabbatarian. But yes, you are a Sabbatarian pastor because you observe the Sabbath, don't you, Jamie?、Uh, yeah. <laughs> Only on Sundays. <laughs> Yeah, still close <laughs> enough. <laughs> anyway, I'm supposed to ask you、okay. how you're doing. How、I'm、are you good, doing? Man, I'm good. Yeah, grateful. It's a good, good day. It's a good day. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, and、uh, we are. Yeah, we、nice. are definitely glad to be back. I definitely missed it last week. Yeah, no kidding.、Um, But I was able to put up a counterculture short, which now I realized we can do anytime we want. So、cool. be on the lookout for more of those. It's pretty cool. They're easy to share too. So yeah, because they're just a minute、yeah. long or so, and they're addictive. Yeah, which is great. Like that's the goal, right? Just get people watching. Is that our goal? That's one of the goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would be nice. <laughs> I mean, it is. It is good to. It's pretty easily digestible, especially for today's culture, which is very,、um, you know, quickly.、Yeah. You know, they need things short attention spans. Yes,、so. very short attention spans. Yeah. So tonight, yes, as Joel said, we were going over the second part of our.、Um, Video with、uh, Andy Stanley and Jeff Durbin talking about the the value of the Old Testament to our apologetics today and also our Christianity today,、mm-hmm. and that's what we got into today. We we talked about the apologetics aspect last time、yep. mostly, and then this time it kind of split up pretty well.、Mm-hmm. So this the second half of the video, the video will be linked below our video, and I'd encourage you to. To click on it, watch it if you haven't, and、uh, and then please comment. Yep. And you know we'd be glad to to have a back and forth, even、yeah. you know good conversation about it.、Uh, love your input and also、uh, any other subject matter you'd、yes. like to put up there that、uh, you'd like us to、uh, to deal with. But、uh, tonight was good, you know, and and、um, uh, we had some some really good conversation afterwards too.、Mm-hmm. It was really great to see everybody out,、mm-hmm. and、uh, but the 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 main thing that I think was presented tonight really had to do with you know how does the Old Testament apply to us today in our Christian、mm-hmm. really in our Christian doctrine more than anything right、mm-hmm. was, so the first week had to do with apologetics and using. Like Andy Stanley was bringing up a point that the that people today they don't have this this real understanding like the the Jewish Christians did in the early church where the Old Testament would be acli- applicable、mm-hmm. for them and so so why muddy the waters and we addressed this last week、yeah. too but why muddy the waters with with details of of this history of the Israelites. Where there are things in the Old Testament that are kind of that can you know people in the in the world who who don't first of all believe in God or believe in miracles,、mm-hmm. why why you know give them any kind of ammunition、mm-hmm. to to、uh, as I guess it's more not even ammunition as an argument but more of a more of kind of like a reason to. To kind of cast away all of the idea of of Christ and what He's done, because well, the Old Testament has this, you know, six day creation. Well, that's that. I I can't believe that. Or you know, Jonah in the belly of a of a big fish for、mm-hmm. three days. Come on, you know, that's that's ridiculous. You know, so those kind of things. So why bring that stuff up? Let's deal with the resurrection. That's what changed lives. That's the important part.、Mm-hmm. And so let's deal with that and let's address it that way. 
And uh, so that's what we went over last week. Right. This week was more of how how does the how, what value does the Old Testament have in our in our understanding of really our Christianity more? Yeah. You know. Yeah, should we follow the Old Testament laws right, and, the, right. and the Ten Commandments? Where do we break up between what the Old Testament, the Sinai Covenant, that God gives to Moses when he gets the Ten Commandments and he gets all of the, the rules? Are we, is that for us? Because like Andy said, it wasn't written to us. You know, it's written to the Jews of the Old Covenant, and he's definitely right about that. But there's definitely things that they make their way into the New Covenant because they speak about God's character, you know, about not stealing, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, you know, um, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Like that was given in the law too. So even though that covenant, we're not under that covenant anymore, Jesus gave us a new covenant, yet it doesn't mean that we can't take the principles of that old covenant um, and then still use them in the, the New Testament. And um, yeah, that was one of the things that we have to talk about. And that was, I, I think, where the main disagreement was, was the difference between unhitching from that covenant completely, which is what Andy was saying, that we're not under that covenant. Jesus gives us the new covenant to, uh, I give you this commandment to love one another as I have loved you. Um, but what Jeff was saying, on the other hand, was he was saying, Jesus takes that old covenant and fulfills it completely and gives us the, the final and the better version of that covenant and so it's not not um, making that law not matter anymore it's actually taking it for what it was meant to be in the first place right and now we can actually live out that law in a way that pleases god and through christ who is the only one who could fulfill it perfectly for us so i think that's really where like the, the really the only difference was the more you watch the debate the more you're like where are they disagreeing yeah <laughs> it, like the water's just gotten overlap. so muddy yeah. so quickly. Um, and a lot of it was yeah. semantics almost, you yeah. know, especially when they got into talking about like, well, don't, you know, when you, when you are trying to share the gospel with somebody to not use the word Bible, yeah, but use, well, Paul said this, apostle Paul said this, yeah. or the apostle John said, this, and it's like, I don't like, I get it. But you have to know your audience, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that you, using the term, well, the Bible says this, is any kind of an issue. Because if they had a question, I would say, well, actually, it, it was, was, right. you know, it was Paul. And this is who Paul was. Right. Let me explain to you what happened to him. Like, yeah. so, so there's still that challenge. I think a lot of this, a lot of this has to do with, really, we just have to, we have to be able to to meet people where they are and that verse just keeps coming back up in my head it's first first corinthians nine twenty two, where paul says that he becomes all things to all men that he might save some mm -hmm. like and it's to the weak i became weak you know it's like well you just meet people where they are mm -hmm. and so i can i can you know if someone somebody's you know, very young and they don't really have any understanding at all. Well, I can talk to them that way, you mm -hmm. know, so they, so I'm not using big words yep. and you know, I have to change who I am so that I can be useful for the Lord. You have to change who you are. Well, change, <laughs> change my presentation, yes, you know, exactly. so, um, but, but I don't, don't change the truth, obviously, but there's a different right, way. Right. Like you wouldn't teach your, you know, five-year-old about, you know, right. some of the deep truths about keeping the, you know, sa Sabbath, right? Sure. Like yeah, a sabbatical course, pastor. Yes. Right now. Yeah, yeah, so a lot of it was that overlap of just semantics. You know? Yeah, I mean... Just seemed, I, to me, that argument seemed silly. <laughs> just yes. seemed silly. Yeah, that was the, I was like, really? the biggest... The biggest problem that I had with the whole thing was when, which I brought up last week too, when Andy um, said, we got to stop saying the Bible told us that because they didn't have a Bible until the right. 300, you know, and stuff like that. And it's like, fine, you don't want me to use the term Bible? I'll just say the book of John or, right. you know, whatever, if you don't want them compiled into it. But it's like, like, what does it matter the word that we use? We're talking about the God-breathed scriptures. Sure. No matter what you call it, it doesn't matter, you know? Sure. And where I think, two, two things that I think were a problem. <clears throat> One is when Andy said, the Bible doesn't actually say anything. 
you know, that was like the biggest talking point from the debate for me. It was like, that was the, the biggest, it's like a newsflash. The Bible doesn't actually say anything. You know, John said this, Peter said that um, when they wrote down the, the words, you know, and I have a problem with that because when you say the person said this and it's not God's word or not the Bible, then it makes it seem like just a person is saying that. Sure. And it doesn't carry the weight of, no, this is God speaking. You know, um, it's not just a man, you know, a sinful disciple that said that. Sure. Um, like the Bible says that the Holy Spirit um, carried, the, the men who wrote the Bible were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And it was superintended by God that this is God's word that we're given. Um, and Maybe if pe- we could just say that instead yes, of the Bible. Yes, exactly. I think right. that's all that Andy Stanley is saying. <laughs> we know what I, I found that was so interesting. When that, Jeff, would ease, that would make things and, a lot easier for people to digest. <laughs> yeah, well, right. actually, men were carried along by the Holy they Spirit. Were superintended you know, so. by the, <laughs> <laughs> Well, John, superintended by the Holy Spirit, you wrote see, the this, Holy Spirit was his was landlord. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a good lamb. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was the the first issue was about it, it, it saying the word the the Bible sure. instead of that. You know, it's like use whatever word that you want to use, but we're still talking about the God breathed scriptures. Yeah. When Jeff brought up, he didn't say the Bible. He would say, but instead we stand on the authority of God's word. Then, like Andy didn't have a problem with that. So it's like, okay, what are we even talking about then? What's the argument? Really? Also, and and um, one of our members, Carolyn, brought up this point, which is a great point. If I'm talking to somebody in an apologetic standpoint, right, and I just say, well, if you look at what John says here in this book, that doesn't carry the same weight as saying this is what God says in his word, right? you know? And so I think Andy thinks for an, like an atheist, maybe to put the weight of saying the Bible says or God says that, Maybe is too much for a non-believer to believe, but I, I think we have to say this is not just humans that are coming up with this stuff. You know, this right. is truly a supernatural book that we have that we call the Bible. I don't care what you call it. You can call it the scriptures. You can call it the 66 books that God superintended people to write, um, whatever you want to call it. But either way, it's not just humans writing stuff down, Right. you know. And if that's what it becomes, that it's just humans, then it doesn't have any authority, really, you know? Right, right. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that was, to me, the biggest issue with it. Well, yeah, and I think Pastor Steve brought up a good point, too, uh, tonight, in that the, um, really, it's, it's like they were both speaking just to different groups of people. Yeah. It's like you have Andy Stanley, who is who really is, is dumbing, not, I don't want to say dumbing down, but but changing the language to meet somebody where they are, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And then you have Jeff Durbin doing the same thing, only his way. And it's you're like, okay, so it's just you're just talking to different people, you know, different groups. You know, and, and what what is odd to me is that if I'm talking to someone who knows anything about the Bible, and they are already skeptics and they're they're it doesn't matter what i say they're still going to bring up the things right. that they're going to disagree right. with already right it's not going to change my wording isn't going to change them yeah from going yeah but what about god being like <laughs> right. this in the old right. testament right. you know it's like well it doesn't help what, what you're trying to... Well, help. hold on. The Apostle Paul said this. Well, <laughs> oh, well, in yeah, that case, but, it makes yeah, that's, Well, that's all better then. You know, it doesn't... Uh, this it's is, so silly to yeah, me. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the thing I was... The second thing I was going to bring up, because I said there was two points, and one is, I don't care what you call it, right? We're talking about the same material, okay? And the second thing is, when Jesus talks about the Old Testament, he doesn't say... Um, just, well, Moses said this, or David said this. He says, and many times, but one I'm thinking of where it says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in my right hand. And Jesus said, David wrote by the Holy Spirit. And then it quotes what David wrote. And so it's David that is writing it, obviously, but it's by the Holy Spirit. There's still the supernatural aspect to the Old Testament scriptures that Jesus wants his people to know. Or when he says to the Pharisees, I think I brought this up last week, and he says, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? 
and then he quotes from the Moses from right. Exodus, you know? Right. And so in Jesus's own view, he didn't view it like Moses said this as if it's just You're Moses's right. authority. It's like, no, right. the, the Old Testament scriptures are God's authority, even though God spoke through sure. men, right? And I know, so. I know what Andy's argument would be mm-hmm. to that, would be like, well, they, they knew mm-hmm. who David was. Yeah. You know, they knew who Moses was. They, they knew that they were so then, if you know, anything, esteemed the way that they. But then, they if would anything, we should go the other way then and say, "Look, random Gentile person who doesn't know anything about David or Moses, why bring up David and Moses then? Just say this is what God says in His Word. Yeah. Like that seems way easier than saying, "Well, Moses said this." It's like, "Well, who's Moses?" Right. Right. You know. Yeah. No, so. I like that. That's a good, uh, good argument. All right. I guess we're done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you won. Yay. <laughs> Yay me. That's our goal. I won you over. Winning. Ah. That's the... How dare you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The best way to win Hopefully win people will know who that is. Um, the literal antichrist. <laughs> she's 19 now, so we can pick on her. Um, but, uh, Speaking of people who... Actually, I think if... if uh, I wasn't going to say the Antichrist because that's not biblically accurate um, in Revelation. But uh, I was going to say Jamie? the beast. How do you know? Oh, oh. Yeah. I didn't say the anything in Revelation. No. Well, she's, I guess she could be an Antichrist. An Antichrist. That's what I'm saying. All right. All right. All right. She was. Ah, yes. Well, one of the other issues that Andy Stanley brought up was, again, it goes back to the event thing. Mm-hmm. Which I guess brings us back to the the first half of the mm-hmm. the um, <clears throat> the video, and and I think we brought this up last time, talking about this. It's like how do you how do you go to an event, right? Like not not like an event. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of. I'm like, where are we going? <laughs> where, what kind of event? Like a football game? Um, how could you possibly go to an event? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> I love the little pause before. Yeah. <laughs> She's but so anyway. serious. <laughs> I know. She had to think about that. <laughs> How dare you! Um, but uh, no, but but to to have an event like the resurrection, right? And and to 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 bring that. Like, I'd be curious to see how how you would do that without alluding to the what makes that resurrection valuable yeah. which is the fact that it's it's fulfilling prophecy mm-hmm. it's it's a, it's been established by all of the old testament you know like that it, there's so much it leads up to that right so like and i and jeff deals with that you know yeah. and he says well you how do you you know um, what gives it its you know makes it special yeah. is the fact that it's like you can look in the past and see how this is a fulfillment mm-hmm. of all of the the stuff that it was that was written about it mm-hmm. and so you know so so that's it, it doesn't to me i'd be curious to see how andy stanley would use that I, i'd like to see his gospel presentation mm-hmm. personally mm-hmm. i think that would be pretty good and and uh just to just to see. see how this fleshes out in sure. practice. Yeah. Sure, yeah, because you know you can talk about it, but okay, so how does this work out? Yeah, you know? I have a, I have a question too about that because yeah. I, I the thing that I found out that was the biggest difference between them. They both believe the Bible is infallible. They both believe it's the Word of God, right? But Andy does not want to hinge the truth of the resurrection. Uh, or the truth of Christianity on the fact that the Bible is supernatural and inerrant to talk, to tell people that. <clears throat> right. So he believes that. Right. Though. Right. So, but he doesn't want to like put that weight on the text itself when talking sure. to a non-believer. So my question is, for the non-believer, do you think that it would be um, as powerful if you had just an historically reliable book? Don't get into inerrancy. Don't get into it being a supernatural book, the Bible, okay? But that the Old Testament, it fulfilled prophecies. You're going into your gospel presentation, right? Like Paul did, right? And and they they um, prove from the Old Testament scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah who rose from the dead, right? Well, those passages that they're going to, in Andy's mind, they don't need to be 
supernatural. They just need to be historically reliable for it to still have the same weight. For Jeff, it's like, this is the word of God from start to finish. And so when it's fulfilling prophecy, it has that whole weight of this is a prophecy that God made in the past. But do you think that it would have the same weight to the non-believer if it's just, oh, okay, well, Moses said this, and then it was fulfilled in Christ, but it's not a supernatural book necessarily, yeah. you know? I don't, I don't know about the same weight, but I could see in a conversation with, with an atheist using that as a point, at least a point of reference. You know, it's like where Jesus says, you know, if you don't believe that I can do this, at least believe me for the, for the things you've seen me do, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, okay, well, yeah, you, you have a problem with all the crazy stuff. You know, the stuff that you would think is, well, the supernatural stuff. Okay, well, then I might go to, well, listen, at least look at the, the historical accuracy of the Bible mm -hmm. and understand that this is not just some, you know, let's look at the prophecies in Daniel. You want to see supernatural. Mm -hmm. You know, what, let's look at the prophecies in Daniel that, that lead up to, right. you know, to Greece before, and, you know, right. and all, all that happened there. And it's yeah. like... I would use that, right? You know, so but I, I wouldn't say that it, that it is would a supernatural exactly. Book. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily think that when it comes to weight, I don't, I don't, I don't think it would. I don't think it would have the same weight necessarily. Okay. I don't know if that's well, if, <clears throat> because when you talk about the prophecies that Jesus fulfills <clears throat> in his death and his resurrection in the Old Testament, right? But Andy's point is, let's just get to Jesus. Right. And right. he, you know, prophesied his death and then he wrote. But in, in his prophesying his death, right, and resurrection in those New Testament texts, like we believe that those are supernatural texts, that they're not just historically reliable, but they're actually, there's something godly about those texts, different from just, yeah, it's been proven historically kind of thing because, you know, the Declaration of Independence has been too, sure. but it's not supernatural. Right. right. So I think that's what Jeff was getting to is like, no, this is a supernatural book that we have. And that's why like a byproduct of it being supernatural is that it can fulfill prophecy. And it's, you know, always been yeah, it's proven historically to be true. accurate. Right. Yeah. That it would be historically <clears throat> accurate. And I, I could see the argument, though, for for somebody who's who's incredibly naturalistic, you know, to to be kind of hung up on that mm -hmm. and to be like, well, listen, like, like to give you an example, I was speaking to a, uh, a customer of mine and she was talking about a Muslim friend. She goes to France and, and all this and, and she has a Muslim friend out there and, and we got talking about her belief and she's agnostic, you know, and I, and I said, well, that's an honest, you know, at least it's an honest opinion. You know, it's an honest perspective or I just um, don't know belief. She's just not sure. I'm just and I'm like, searching, okay. Yeah. And so I want to respect, I want to respect her as a person and not like be like, oh, how can you? How dare how, you? How, how, <laughs> how dare you? Yes. How dare um, you? <laughs> I bring this with me when, when I disagree yes. with somebody. Yeah. How dare you? Don't worry. I, it's not me that's saying it. <clears throat> that's right. I have Greta saying That's right. And, uh, but, um, but I didn't have a ton of time to talk to her, but, but one of the things she got. I think she was she was kind of hung up on was like I don't know which one is real which one is true mm -hmm. and I could have gone into you know prophecies being fulfilled mm -hmm. I actually may have um, but but what I wanted her to see was the reality of what Christianity has done because she's pretty cultured she she's mm -hmm. lived in France she's in Italy she's like she's seen the Western world mm -hmm. and understands that and so to to bring her around to to just look at listen wherever christianity the principles of christianity not the church not the the people necessarily but where the principles of christianity have been applied there has been it has been better for everyone mm -hmm. in uh it has improved the the lifestyles of everyone it is it has benefited that that community regardless of when, what time in history, what kind of culture, it didn't, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And so, and she was like, oh, I never thought about that, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, well, 
to me, that's that's where truth is. Mm -hmm. And so if you're having a hard time deciding between that, look at that and understand that those Christian principles have 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 changed the Western world Mm -hmm. and wherever it's gone, it's changed it for the better. I, you can't say that about all of the other, yeah. you know, belief systems. Mm-hmm. So, so um, yeah, truth is really, and that made sense to her, you know. Mm-hmm. So, it, so it's really just like, okay, so what does this person, what does this person need to hear? Yeah. Where do I need to go with this? And a lot of it is just, you know, the motivation. I think the leading of the Holy Spirit. You yeah. know, you you get into the conversation, and you know, you just. Allow the Holy Spirit to really be like, like scripture says, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say, you know, in that time, we're not supposed to dwell on our own understanding, right? But to trust in the Lord, and then he'll make your path straight, right? Even in uh, preaching or talking to somebody about it, you know? Sure. And so that's one thing I like that Andy did say is he's like, if you want to use the Old Testament as an on-ramp, that's what he called it, then that's totally fine. Like anything that gets people to talk about their faith in a way that's natural and that's not um, pugilistic. Pugilistic. Yeah. That's a good I like one. that word. I know. That you could look one. that up. Um, I'm amazed at how many people don't know what that word means. Yeah, well, maybe now we'll, <laughs> we'll make at least a couple people yeah. look it up. Yeah. We've learned two words tonight. One's not a real word and one is. One probably shouldn't be a word. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what you're telling me, pugilistic is a word. Yeah. Sabbatarian is not. Sabbatarian is the name of a horse that won the Triple Crown, isn't it? I think that's what the name of it is. Okay, I'm going to look that up later. Uh, Sabbatarian. No, I don't think so. Okay. Anyway. <clears throat> While you're talking, I'm going to look it up because I'm actually really interested in this. When I came to Christ, it literally was, I had no understanding, first of all, of the Old Testament at all. I had very little understanding of the New Testament, a little bit of the uh, maybe chapter 5, 6, 7 of Matthew, and so Sermon on the Mount. Yep. And, and that in itself... It's so great because it's like we we use a lot of Ray Comfort stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Ray Comfort's tracts. If you you want to see some good tracts, go to livingwaters.com, uh, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, But Ray Comfort's tracts are great. And so... He's not very comforting. <laughs> <laughs> well, comfort actually means to prod on. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Oh. One of the definitions is to kind of encourage movement forward. Yeah. Oh. So... Well, in that sense... Yeah, he's, I, it's right on the money. He's very yeah. comforting. Yes. Um, okay. But, uh, but what's interesting is you, those those three chapters in... Uh, oh, <laughs> you couldn't help yourself. I was right. Sabbatarian is the name of the horse. Okay, but it doesn't Born mean it's a real word. Well, it is a thing, though. Yeah, it's a horse. Look at this. The Puritan origins of modern day, seventh day Sabbatarianism. Oh, there you go. Okay. All right. It's a word. So is pugilism. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, but just reading those, those three chapters mm-hmm. in Matthew, it, it caused me to, and this is pri- prior to me becoming a Christian, it made me see more clearly how bad I was. Mm-hmm. You know, because the the things in it, and it wasn't the things like, um, uh, you know, don't don't murder that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but it, it was the things like, you know, if you see someone who is, right. you know, um, if someone compels you to walk a mile, walk with them right. too, those kind of things, and and it was like all that stuff, and I was like, oh man, I can't, I can't do this, mm-hmm. even though I want to, I still can't keep mm-hmm. this up. And adultery and all those things. So, mm-hmm. so that that was involved. And but when so with just that bit of knowledge, when I met Pastor Steve, mm-hmm. he just gave me the gospel. Mm-hmm. He just told me about Jesus, and it was boom done. You know, and so so again, I mean, not to be. I mean, we're beating it to death, but you're beating you're a really dead horse. beating a dead horse <laughs> called Sabbatarian, um, <clears throat> and uh, it it's. You, we really just have to be wise to meet people where yeah, they are the spirits leaving. and get to, you know, get to the gospel, mm-hmm. you know, and, and get to share with them what Christ has done for us, you know. And I mean, the other thing, though, if you want to go to an, an event, right, so, not that kind <laughs> of event, 
if you want if you want to use <laughs> <laughs> you bring the cool um but if you want to use in a like the event of the resurrection mm-hmm. well you have to get to the death of Christ first mm-hmm. he doesn't he didn't address that really Mm-mm. it's like well i could say all about jesus's resurrection mm-hmm. but it means nothing if yep if it wasn't that the fact that he died for me mm-hmm. You know, because yep. it wasn't Christ's resurrection when I got saved right. that brought me right. to to receive the holy the the um, the gospel. Yeah, the gospel was, listen, you you need Christ. You're broken. You're gonna die in your sins. Here's here's what Christ did for you. He and Steve may have said that he rose again, but right. it didn't mean any, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it wasn't the thing. That, What's really that interesting made it is, happen. is Paul says, "When I when I came to you, I decided to know nothing among you except Christ yeah, crucified." crucified yeah. And he said <clears throat> that the message of the cross is his gospel presentation, really. And then he says the message of the cross is foolishness, you know, to those who are perishing. But that's what he's preaching, though. Yep. You know. Um, the resurrection obviously is like the validation of what happened at the cross. And Jesus sure. is God. He's who he said he was. And of course, there's a sense in which he was raised for our justification, like the Bible says too. Sure. And it's all connected, obviously. But um, but like you said, the cross is really where our sin was paid for, you know, sure. and our atonement was bought. It was really at the cross. So right. yeah, and you're right. And he didn't really bring that up. Yeah, and like you said, the validation, and Paul addresses that too. Yeah. It's like, well, if, if, Christ, if Christ isn't, right. isn't raised, right. then, totally. then we're, you know. We're dead in our sins, yeah. And we're to be, you know. Pitied among Pitied among right. men, yeah. Yeah. So, this gets us to really what most of tonight was talking mm-hmm. about. The, the new covenant versus the old covenant. So, and that, that was a pretty pretty good discussion you know in the group tonight and the video so but it got like you know you can ask a lot of questions about it you know a lot of people and and this came up tonight too i i tend to think a lot of people a lot of christians don't know what to do with the old testament they don't know what to do with the law Mm -hmm. they don't know what to do with the ten commandments they don't know what to do with it's like well how come we don't follow all of these Mm -hmm. these laws that we read in Deuteronomy and Leviticus mm-hmm. and do all these things. And, you know, how come we don't do that? And, and some of that is, is valid. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can have those questions. I, I think, again, the, the, uh, our objective should be to really try and understand yeah. as much as we possibly can. Rightly so that divide. we're, yeah, rightly divide the word of God. Exactly. Um, so it brings us to those kind of questions. So what do we leave in? What do we take out? <laughs> you know, like what, uh, why do we keep some of the old Testament law? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, were some of the promises to us, are they all to us? Yeah. You know, like it's, there's a lot there, Yeah. you know, and you brought up some good points and I will. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I think first it would be important to know what do we mean by we saying that we must keep the law? Like, what does that even mean? Because we're not talking about for salvation, <laughs> right? Obviously, because we don't, follow the law to be saved. The law was never meant to save us. The law was meant to be a schoolmaster, like it says in, in Romans, I believe, to lead us to Christ. Like um, I brought up in Romans chapter seven, where Paul says, I wouldn't know not to covet if the law didn't tell me, do not covet, you know? Um, and so we have to have the law in the Old Testament to know what does God want and what does God not want us to do? You know, what what is God's feelings towards the things that we're doing? Um, I also brought up, this might be jumping ahead a little bit, but, you know, the conversation came up in the Old Testament. If you didn't follow a law, then it was usually capital punishment that you would get. So if you commit adultery, you'd be stoned, right? Um, if, for a lot of things, you'd be stoned to death. So then it was like, well, why don't we do that today? You know, well, really what happened when Jesus came is the law came through Moses and Pastor Steve had a good illustration of the law is like a gun to your head. It's like, don't do this or else you're done. You know, that's it. Um, And that really is how God hates sin. Like that's in God's character that he cannot bear with sin. He has to punish it because he's just, we talked about that before. Um, But now with Christ, there is an element of grace that it so surpasses that sort of condemnation. But 
I don't think that God's feelings, if you want to, I don't want to say feelings, but his attitude, I guess, towards sin, I don't think that's changed. I think he's still just as, he hates sin just as much as before, because it goes not only against his character, but it's also really bad for us. Oh, it doesn't change. Yeah, he doesn't change. And he doesn't change, right? So what changed? How come we don't stone people today, you know, who sure. who sin and stuff? And uh, I think the answer is because of the grace that we have now in Christ and the knowledge, the greater revelation that Jesus gave us about the end times, or not the end times, the eternal life, eternity, um, into which now Jesus says, don't fear the one who kills the body, which would be like stoning, let's say, but can't kill the soul. Instead, fear the one who, after he's killed, has the authority to cast into hell as well and so um when we sin which jesus said he actually brings the law to a higher standard um he doesn't obliterate the law at all in terms of how god treats sin instead he says if you look at a woman with lust it's the same as if you committed adultery which means under the old covenant if you look at a woman with lust you should be stoned okay so what's changed we should still view our sin as being worthy of that stoning to death because God's attitude towards it never changed. Sure. He still hates it that much. But because of God's grace poured out in Christ, where Christ takes our sin, and so he takes um, that onto himself and he bears that wrath for us so we don't have to. But if, you, if we die and we're in that state of that sin, that's an even greater punishment than stoning. Oh sure, because it's yeah. e- eternal death that we are that we are getting um, for that. So, um, even though we're in the age of grace now, where we were not under the law in the sense of that very harsh, you do this, you're done, you know, and that's it. Um, God still views sin the same way; He still hates it, and yet we're in an age of grace now, where God. Um, I didn't get to bring this up, but I wanted to bring up in Romans chapter two where Paul says, don't you see that God, his forbearance and his patience with you, even though you're sinning, you're storing up wrath for that final day. But right now, God is bearing with you with patience. He's not just, you know, saying stone you and you're done for one thing, because his kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, right? And the kindness isn't just like, oh, God is just being so kind to me today. It's like your sin really deserves death now, but I'm holding off on that to give you time for that repentance in this, this grace period, if you will, where in the Old Testament law, it was that was the age of the law, where it's, this is what God says, it sure. deserves death, and so it gets death. Sure. You know? Well, I so think those it's, are some points. I think it's interesting, too, as you're you're talking about that, when, when Jesus is kind of raising the bar. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about, it's, and I think Steve, Pastor Steve brought this up, too, that it it really kind of wasn't like Jesus was was adding to the law. Mm-hmm. He really was. Ju- it, it seems that he was just really pointing out how you're not going to be able to fulfill this law. Right. You know, it's like, oh no, no. Did you hear that it was said? You know, you should not commit adul- adultery. Well, I'm going to tell you essentially that. Every single one of you has committed. It's like, right. that's what he's saying. Right. Every yeah. one of you has committed adultery. Yeah. You know, oh, you can't murder. Every one of you has murdered. Yeah. You know, and it's like, instead of, you know, like where he's, he's kind of disagreeing with the law, mm-hmm. you know, well, I'm going to raise the bar, you know, mm-hmm. well, God's bar was already way up right. here. Right. And that was the point of the old Testament yeah. law was the bar so far up here that there is no way you're going to keep this. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's leading to Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's where we need that grace. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's pretty, pretty interesting, yeah. you know, and it just points out how messed up, how messed up we yeah. are. But the other thing too, I, I thought it was pretty interesting too, as we, as we were having the class tonight, just thinking about, you know, a lot of, a lot of people will say, well, you know, the God of the old Testament, he was so mean and he mm-hmm. was this. And it's like, no, the God of the Old Testament is the same God mm-hmm. as the New Testament. We're just seeing two facets. Different manifestations the of the, his characters. Yes, his character, different of who he qualities. is. Yeah. yeah, so we see in the Old Testament, we see this like magnified, you know, righteous holiness. Just, 
and yeah. justice, and that's who God is. Because sin does deserve death. Right. Yeah. And the wages of sin. Then we see mercy. Yeah. And Scripture says mercy triumphs over justice, mm-hmm. or judgment, I mean. So mm-hmm. it's like, that's so cool mm-hmm. when you look at it that way, because you can't take one away from the other. No. God isn't just gracious and merciful mm-hmm. like like Paul when he's talking about shall we continue in sin that mm-hmm. grace may abound you know it's like no 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 this isn't like sloppy christianity where we just do whatever we want right. god's still holy the law is still good right you know yeah. but the law had its purpose yeah. to point out who we are and to lead us to the grace that Christ offers yep. us. It's like, that's what the law is for. Yeah. That's what the Old Testament, it's a precursor to everything God had in plan. Yeah. And to show us, to show every single person that you cannot do this right. without the grace of God. Yep. It's so cool. You needed somebody who could fulfill that law perfectly. Because <clears throat> yep. you know you cannot do it. Yeah. And Jesus, what he's doing is he's pointing out what the law was always meant for. Like when he talks about the Sabbath and he says, like, would you not untie your colt on the Sabbath? You know, if it was like stuck, you know, you would because the Sabbath is not something just to check off a box of I rested on this day. That was never the point of it. And that's what they had made it into. They made it into just a ritual to follow. But the point of the law was always for the sake of the people that it, because it's always the principles that God is giving us. It's not just a list of the, the, a box to check so then when jesus says the son of man is lord over the sabbath it's like man was not made for the sabbath the sabbath was made for man so that you can have a day of rest because this is good for us you know and um so in the same way when uh when you talk about the old testament the dietary laws or the um how you can't trim your beard and stuff like that it's like these are not in the moral uh category about well if you trim your beard it's immoral You know, it's like, that's not the point of it. The point in that context was that we're setting apart the people of Israel from the rest of the world because the people of Israel are God's people. And so if you look just like everybody else, how are you going to differentiate between them? Right. Sure. And then you talk about people bring up, well, do you not eat shellfish? You know, because that's in the the law. Don't be so shellfish. But (laughs) yeah. How dare you be so shellfish? (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) How dare you? <laughs> That's what the lobster says before How it da- dies. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shellfish, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a mollusk. <laughs> What's the it's difference? It's a mollusk with- or an arthropod. Okay. It's a mollusk. Is that not think- in the category of shellfish still? Yes, it would be. I don't know There's if it's a shell shellfish or it. not. Okay. They might be shellfish. Here's my point. Here's my point. <laughs> About the, the, the point shellfish. is that you shouldn't be shellfish. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I'm having trouble keeping my point, so please try to help me today. <laughs> my yes, point is, in the New it. Testament, yeah. mm-hmm. when Jesus or any of the apostles or whatever, whatever we read in the New Testament, when they're giving us new rules, you could even say, um, they make it clear that this part of the Old Testament law was for a certain time. And it was not meant to be carried out forever. Right. Like when um, in, I believe it's the Gospel of Mark, and Jesus said, it's not what goes, help me out with this, it's not what goes into somebody that defiles them, right. but what comes out of somebody that defiles right. them. And then in the Gospel, the little commentary says, and in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. So right there, Jesus is like, look, before this whole dietary, like you can't eat this, you can only eat this, when the the um, hoofed animals that choose the cud or whatever like that. It's like, that was for that time period. And we know this because in the New Testament, Jesus declares that now all foods are clean. So there's a clear difference that Jesus is saying to that, where he's changing that law from the Old Testament. But when we see things like honor your father and mother, like um, Jeff Durbin brought up a couple times that the Apostle Paul says, um, honor your father and mother, and it's the first commandment with a promise, your days will be long and all right. of that. Like those commandments are not like rescinded to like, now we don't have to honor our father and mother. It's like, obviously this is a great principle to have. This is a moral thing. This is a different category of law than shellfish, Sure. right? Like, so as long as you're rightly dividing the word and you take what Jesus and the apostles said, to take from the law and carry it into the new covenant, um, 
loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, straight from the Old Testament law, obviously to be carried into the New Covenant, um, it really makes way more sense than just saying, well, we're only taking some parts of it. You right, know, it, right. It's like, well, if we rightly divide the word in context, it makes so much sense. So sure. let's just do that. And that's the, that's definitely the goal. And and just to see that what has been established in the in the New Testament, like like you're saying that God has set up so that we can we actually know exactly what what we should be following and what we right. shouldn't be following. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, th- those are great points, and that that's that's a really great way to 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 make a determination. You know, should I be? Mm-hmm. You know, do I have to worship? on Saturday, Mm -hmm. you know, like, well, that was, that was the seventh day. So Mm -hmm. should I worship on the seventh on on Saturday? And it's like, well, well, let's, what's the new Testament say about that? Yeah. You know, well, they worshiped on the, on the first day of the week on the Lord's day. It's like, oh, okay. You know, so now we have that, we have that to, to back it up, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and it's unfortunate, you know, like, like for me, if someone wanted to worship on Saturday, okay, go Mm -hmm. ahead. You know, it doesn't, and I think Paul addresses that, yeah. you know, it's like some worship on this day, exactly. some worship on that day, you know, the, um, it's, it, those, those kind of things are not that, that big of a deal. It's the problem is, is when you establish those things as a rule that you have to follow and not only you have to follow, but you want other people to follow. Right. And that's, you know, you get into that with the Seventh-day Adventists right. and you get, you know, just the, the different viewpoints. And it's like, well, that's fine if that's your viewpoint. You just can't make that doctrine because mm-hmm. it's not it's not lined up with the Scripture. Yeah, well, when well. the Scripture literally tells you, don't make this a doctrine that's yeah. going to separate you. So in mm-hmm. Colossians 2, I have it up here, yeah. where it talks directly about what we're talking about. How are we to, to live when we still have a sinful nature in Christ, but we still, well, we're in Christ, so we're crucified with Christ. Our sinful nature has been crucified, yet we still live in it. Paul yep, talks about yep. that. But then also in regards to the Jews and the Gentiles, how are we as Gentiles supposed to view the old covenant when we're not circumcised, literally, right? We are, But we are circumcised figuratively, in a sense, and we see this right here in Colossians 2. It says, in him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of your sinful nature with the circumcision performed by Christ and not by human hands. So this is definitely this is a spiritual circumcision that we're talking about. And having been buried with him in baptism, you were raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our trespasses having canceled the debt ascribed to us in the decrees that stood against us. So these, the debt ascribed to us, all these things in the law that we couldn't fulfill on ourselves. And being circumcised, being a part of the Jewish um, culture, but not being able to follow the law perfectly, Jesus did away with all of that. But he says he disarmed the principalities and the authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And so therefore... Let no one judge you by what you eat or drink or with regards to a feast, a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the body that casts it belong to Christ. So in other words, Christ is the perfect application of what that Old Testament law was going to be. The Old Testament law is not done away with, but it's been fulfilled. And so then the application that Christ gives us into it um, with still setting aside a day to worship him, but don't let anybody say, it's got to be this day or it's got to be this day. We do it on the Lord's day because that's when Jesus was raised from the dead. And that's when the early church obviously did that. But um, but let nobody judge you by what you eat or drink because these are the things that were a shadow of the things to come. Right. So what are the things that were a shadow? What are the things that now are completely new in Christ? Sure. And now we have freedom from that. That's what, when the Bible talks about freedom, that's what it's talking about. Freedom yeah. from following all of these rules and regulations with a gun to your head. Right. Right. Now we're free to walk in the fruits of the spirit because now we have a completely different, we have a spirit inside of us that is helping us to follow his law. Right. So the law is now being fulfilled in us because now we have Christ's spirit in yeah. us. But oh, the law so is good. It's so good. Yeah. It just was never meant to save. Yeah. 
you know. Yeah, it's so good. The the uh, the the freedom that we have in Christ, and that we have this this Old Testament law to look at, and we have the New Testament written down for us, um, but but not this new set of of uh, ordinances, mm-hmm. you know, to follow. And Paul addresses that too, that it's not just a new new list of ordinances, right? You know, but it's a um, it's a true like we 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 end up obeying the law of God because we have the spirit mm-hmm. and we love him mm-hmm. you know right. it's like the fruit of the spirit you know those are the things like there is no law against that stuff because right. that is that's like God's nature welling yep. up inside of us growing in us so that we can produce his nature right it's like that's that's awesome yeah you know that's christianity that's what it's all about what do you think about jeff's arguments about going to the old testament where it talks about in the new covenant in jeremiah and isaiah that the nations not just the jews but the nations will wait for god's law and jeremiah where it says i'll put my law in their hearts so talking about new new covenant in the new covenant in um, ezekiel i'll take out their heart of stone put in a heart of flesh and cause them to follow my laws and my rules right which would indicate this law something about it is going to carry over into the new testament still sure you know even though in the book of hebrews it says that the law is becoming obsolete and is being ready to get passed away you know you know the part i'm talking about yeah we should find that (laughs) i mean i have the the verses jeremiah 31 where it says that the law will be written on their hearts Mm -hmm. um do you got it yeah so in hebrews 8 where it talks about the new co- the new covenant for the first covenant if it had been without fault no place would have been sought for a second for christ but god found fault with the people and said behold the days are coming when i will make a new covenant with the house of israel and with the house of jacob it will not be like the covenant i made with their fathers um, the sinai covenant when right. i took them by the hand led them out of the land of egypt because they didn't abide in my covenant This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and inscribe them on their hearts, and I will be their God. They will be my people. So I'll put my laws in their minds. So this law is still going to be a thing in this new covenant. This is a prophecy. No longer will each one teach his neighbor or his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Then it says, By speaking of a new covenant... He has made the first first one one obsolete, obsolete, Mm -hmm. and what is obsolete is aging and will soon disappear. And that was from Jeremiah 31. Gotcha. um, That the prophecy was. And then in the book of Hebrews, it says that that's what we're reading now. By speaking of a new covenant, he made the first one obsolete. Jeff's point is the first covenant is obsolete in the sense of they couldn't follow the Sinai covenant and all of that. But look what's being passed into the new covenant the ability to follow God's law. Sure. So the law itself is not done away with in this sense that the moral code of what God likes and doesn't like is going to be passed into that new covenant. Um, in, yeah, and, and so the what is obsolete is not the law. It's the covenant. It's the it's the covenant exactly. Yeah. So it's 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 the new covenant, the same God, same rules, same law, um, and it's just written on our hearts, mm-hmm. you know, rather than on tablets mm-hmm. of stone, right? You know, and so you know where it says, "I'll put my law in their minds and inscribe them on their hearts," right? And I will be their God, and they will be my people. Um, but what it doesn't say, which is interesting, is that that because it's like that, we're going to keep the law perfectly mm-hmm. either. Because it says, for I will forgive their iniquities and so I will remember have... their sins no more. It's just that we have that. We understand it because mm-hmm. it's in here now. You yeah. know, and you know, that's the Holy Spirit who's leading us. You know, I think that's a an excellent prophetic scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, so So that would fall into the line of what Jeff was saying. Yeah, then, oh, where absolutely. There's a continuity between, because it's the same God, and he still yeah. hates sin in the sure. same way, and he loves righteousness in the same way. But before, like you see, Israel could not keep, they, they keep sure. going after other gods, which is obviously breaking the Ten Commandments. So he's like, 
there's going to be a new covenant yeah. with my son. He's going to come. He's going to pay their iniquities for their iniquities. And then they're going to be able to follow my laws. Uh, and all the while, obviously, they're, they're still going to stumble and fall. But I'll forgive their iniquities. Remember them no more because I sure. paid for them. Yeah. You know, yeah. absolutely. So now that's the writer of Hebrews. Yes. who said that, right? It's mm-hmm. not the Bible. <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> nice. You were gonna say the, the person's name, but then it's like it's Hebrews. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the writer. So of some Hebrews. guy wrote this book. Yeah, this that's a great letter apologetic argument. There. Hebrews. It's called the letter to the Hebrews, I think, and it's um, we're not really sure who wrote it. It <laughs> could be Paul. How am I doing so far? <laughs> <laughs> have I won your Have I won your trust yet? <laughs> yeah, Andy kept you believe saying, me? Why don't Why don't we stop saying the Bible says and start citing the people whom oh, the yeah. Holy Spirit carried to yeah. write the, right. the to write the scripture? Some guy who wrote Hebrews. <laughs> so yeah, Hebrews wouldn't really work for that. <laughs> but it, but it's like yeah, you you could go with that, I guess. But it's just so it, weird. To yeah, me. it's just it doesn't. I, I get it, and it depends on who you're talking yeah. to. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, we so don't know silly. who wrote the book of Hebrews, but right. this is what it says. Right. That adds a lot of weight to what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know this, but it's always a good way to you know have a conversation with somebody. Ooh, oh, I'm listening now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You've definitely got my attention. Um I think Steve brought up, Pastor Steve brought up a good point, too, when he was talking about the Palestinian Christians. Mm-hmm. That was a, that's an interesting uh, viewpoint mm-hmm. also. So he had mentioned that he, he had gone over to Israel and was met uh, a bunch of Palestinian Christians. He said there's a bunch of Palestinian Christians over there. But uh, some of these folks were, they had no Old Testament at all. It was right. just New Testament. And because of that, there was an animus towards Jews because all that they read in the New Testament about the Jews was that they were bad. They killed the Messiah. (laughs) They killed the Messiah. They were, you know, it's like this, this, uh, you know, this battle of grace and law. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things. They weren't able to keep the law. And so that's why there's a new covenant now. Right. So it's like, great job, guys. Yeah. So, uh. So that's interesting. So when you, if you, if you do separate, like mm-hmm. if that was, and I don't think Andy Stanley's no, point yeah. is that, but, but, but if it was to pull the Old Testament you see out, the, the problem, there would be a the significant issue. The, the, significant. Yeah. The problem with the fruit of what you're going to lead people to, because now they, they believe in the resurrected yeah. Christ, obviously, yeah. but they're not going to understand any of the context surrounding that or the prophecies or, you know, a host of other things yeah. that they need, like we need to be, we need to know all of scripture yeah. because it's not just humans talking. Well, look it's at, all the word of God. And look at what you miss regarding, like, it depends on, of course, your, your eschatological viewpoint. But I mean, from, from kind of a post-millennial viewpoint, what you miss without having the Old Testament scripture, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like to be like, what does this mean? You know, what do these statements mean, son mm-hmm. of man, you know, right. seated in the, you know, um, or, or coming with the clouds kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's like, well, you. Yeah, because there's no context. Yeah, there's no context. Yeah. So maybe that's where dispensational premillennialism came from. It's Palestinian Christians. <laughs> from not reading the Old, the Old Testament. <laughs> it could be. Well, could be. I mean, it, it all goes into understanding scripture rightly in context. Sure. And so when you take a passage and automatically assume that it's talking about, even time-wise, it's talking about the, our future, or it's talking about the future of the people who wrote it, but not necessarily our future. Like, it's so important. I mean, Andy brought up a really good point about the Sinai Covenant that Moses got. It wasn't written to us. Right. It was written to Moses and the people of that time. Now, going to do the the nitty-gritty work of then interpreting how does this apply to us today is something we need to be doing. We need to be applying, you know, seeing how does the Ten Commandments, would they apply to us today? Do they apply to us? And if so, how? How do we keep them? What did Christ do that changes that maybe? Um, But to just assume, well, it's in the Bible, so it must be for me, 
in the a direct sense instead of a secondary sure. sense is gonna like is really gonna hurt the way that you're reading all of scripture. Sure. You're gonna come to some really really bad conclusions. That well, way. there's there's a lot of that, unfortunately, in in a lot of well. Maybe a lot of Christian circles. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll say you know again I don't I don't want to indict the whole church, but the but I, I think that it, it's too common. You know we get these little like daily scripture verse mm-hmm. flip up kind yep. of things for our desk or you know the Bible promises book or whatever, and and we can get caught up into thinking that all of these things apply to me mm-hmm. or uh, somehow apply to to something they don't apply to, yeah. you know, whether it's, the, oh, this is a prophecy. Well, who was that written yeah. to? What was that? What's the context of that? Mm-hmm. And we can get caught up in that and and not really do our due diligence to really study the Word of God, to rightly divide the Word of God, mm-hmm. to use proper hermeneutics to to get into the depth of the the meaning of, of the, the Scripture that we're reading. And so I think that's an, a couple takeaways from, from this whole thing. Rightly dividing the Word of God, really studying, you know, taking time to, to understand how it's written, the, the context it's written in, the, you know, who it was written to, all of those mm-hmm. kind of things, super, super important. Everything you read, uh, especially you know, read epistles from the new, in the New Testament, understanding that these, these were letters that were written to the churches at the time that were being disseminated to the other churches in the area yeah. by the apostles or apostles were, were, um, were writing them and they were being disseminated to the other churches to be read as a letter from the apostle, mm-hmm. you know, so we have to be so careful to take this little, well, you know, I, I took this verse and this verse you know, it's so, so important to me. And it's like, well, yeah, okay. Some verses can stand alone. There's, Mm -hmm. there's plenty of those, but we really should make sure that we take the time to, to read it, how it was written, you know, to, and understand who it was written to. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, another takeaway, and this goes back into really trying to understand the word of God, but we should take on the challenge rather than rather than avoid the difficult thing of really studying the word of god um we should take on the challenge of how what would i say if somebody asked me this question Mm -hmm. you know what would i say if i was talking to a to an atheist and they were a smart you know, savvy atheist who understood the the, the Bible, like a, a Richard Dawkins or something like that, where he'll say that, you know, the God of the Old Testament is, you know, a tyrant, an evil tyrant who kills, you know, who slaughtered, you know, millions of people or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, well, how would we answer that? Right. Well, we answer that by understanding, truly understanding the word of God. Yeah. And then realizing, like, okay, you're like, w- we can have an answer for yep. those kind of things. So the argument, and this is where I really struggle with, with Andy Stanley's argument, is that, and, and we addressed it before, but is that we, well, let's avoid all of those things. And let's yep. just get to the, the simple, basic gospel, mm-hmm. which is fine. Or get to the simple, basic resurrection, the event of the resurrection. Right, right. You know? And Which it's is not like, the well, gospel. we without the cross. You know. If you're dealing with a savvy person who, like, well, you're not going to get around that. Right. Yeah. that if that's what they're hung up with. <laughs> yeah. If their hu- if so, their hang up is about the deaths in the Old Testament, then pointing to the resurrection yeah, is not, not going to. It's not going to matter. Yeah. Um, at least for the conversation, you know, and and but but we should be able to give an answer for the reason we uh, of the hope that we have within mm-hmm. us. We should be able to defend what we believe. We should be able to be on the offensive too, and be able to to say, "Hey, listen, I I know how to deal with that." You know, and we should just be uh, taking the time to understand the word mm-hmm. rather than being like, "I want the easy way out," yeah. kind of thing. And I'm not saying that necessarily that's what he's saying, but it can definitely come off that way. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, let's let's avoid all that hard stuff. Let's get to the easy yeah. stuff. 
It's like, well, how about how about we don't do that? <laughs> how, about, how about we meet everybody where they are? Mm-hmm. I guess that's another takeaway too: is that we should we should be willing to 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 meet people where they are, mm-hmm. you know. And if they if they and Jesus gives us that example, you know, he he, uh, you know, when someone needed mercy, he gave him mercy. When yep. someone needed a harsh word, he gave him a harsh word. You know, it's you know, I I need to be. I need to be willing to die to myself mm-hmm. and be what somebody else needs me to right. be so that I can, and again, so that I can be useful to save, yeah. you know, be used to save some, yeah. you know, so, so there's a, a few good takeaways there, yeah. but really studying the scripture is, yeah. is key. I think that's something that I would want people to take away from this whole discussion that we've had in these last two weeks really is yeah it is going to take some work to go into these passages in the old testament and that are hard passages and understand them in their context and how they apply to us today but that doesn't mean that there's no answer to it it doesn't mean that there that we can't know what it really means or something like that it actually means we actually can know what it means but looking on it at from a surface level standpoint is not how we get to the bottom of what scripture is actually saying, understanding it in its context, doing the hard work of um, historical grammatical interpretation, the way that the author intended it to be written in the time that it was written in, and then seeing how it applies to us today is going to be more fruitful in the way we can spread the gospel to others. It's also going to be more fruitful in how we can apply scripture to our daily lives instead of just assuming when we're reading scripture, because scripture is alive and it's God breathing, then whenever we read scripture, it has to be for me directly today. It's like, that's, that's, that's a simplistic way of looking at it, that, that it's God breathing. I'm not saying that God can't speak to you directly through scripture. He definitely can. Um, but when he's probably not going to speak to you through scripture if you're interpreting it the wrong way, right? We have to rightly divide the word. And when we rightly divide it, we can understand it for ourselves and we can understand it to answer these questions that so many people have that are wondering about these issues um, and not skirting from any of the hard issues. Because the more you look into it, it becomes truer and truer, you know? Sure. So I think with that. I think I'm I'm Andy Stanley out. Yes, me too. I can't wait. Next week, we're going to be going over um, Halloween. Yes. No, we're this right around Halloween, the corner, Halloween, so it's Halloween. Halloween season. So we're gonna deal with some historical, yep, the origins, uh, yeah, origin stuff, and and uh, and how does the, how does like Halloween line up with yeah. our biblical we worldview? Celebrate it? Is yeah. it a sin to sure. go trick or treating? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, dress up like Jason, and, you know? Yeah, run around. Yeah, Jason like a from maniac. the Bible. <laughs> Sure. How did he dress? Well, we can make assumptions, right? Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. um, but anyway, um, so if you, again, to get back to uh, back to this, the podcast itself, if you like it, you know, if you like the content, you know, we'd encourage you to comment, subscribe to Freedom Church NJ uh, YouTube channel and any place where you can get podcasts. You know, and encourage other people to be involved mm-hmm. because that would be great. And yeah, and comment on what you thought of the debate. Exactly. And what you thought about our take on it. And if you have any views, even if you disagree or if you have a thought of your own, please leave it in the comments below. Yeah. And uh, we'll uh, mention it on the next podcast. Hopefully. Sure, sure. And uh, if it's good, yeah, if, it's <laughs> if it's something crazy or in another language, I might not be able to yeah, right. understand it. Um, but, uh, but also if you can make it out too, to, uh, to counterculture, be great to have you. It's Fridays at seven 30. Um, and, uh, yeah, come out and remember that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of God. Amen. Amen.